Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, good morning. It's uh, what a pleasant morning it is. It's uh, beautiful, like uh, the right temperature for y'all who are listening just by uh, online. It's just, there's a way to get out here and stay 50 feet away from somebody if you want to. You can, I see people 100 feet away from me, and so uh, if you feel comfortable, come. It's just a beautiful day, and there's this soft breeze, and you're worshiping with people. It's just perfect. I've been watching the Masters. Aren't you proud to live in Georgia when the Masters are on, you see, this has got to be one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I'm grateful for that. So I want you to participate with me, everybody, 100% online and also just here. I, I want you to take your hand and I want you to raise it up. Right hand, raise it up. Everybody, please participate. Can't do this. I don't know why you're here. <laughs> Not asking a lot. Bend it. This is going to be a little corny. You're going to bend it. Put it right on the back of your neck, your back there. Pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. You know, we've been through a lot this year, right? We've had COVID, and we're in the middle of that. We've been in elections. We've been in financial turmoil. There's a lot going on. Most of us know somebody that's had some uh, sickness, whether it's COVID or not, we've had a close person pass away. I, there's a lot going on. But I'd like you just to take a deep breath, take four seconds and breathe in, and then hold it for four seconds. Let it out for four seconds. You're here, and you're worshiping God. It's November 2020, and you're here. For some of you, you got your, we've even got uh, umbrellas out because the sun's so bright. It's not raining. So I, uh, one of the cool things about being a preacher is when your worship team sings songs about your message and you haven't talked. When the last song is the Lord's Prayer, they're singing, and that's the scripture you want to use. It's a, it's a sign to the worship leader, go girl. It's a sign to the preacher, son, go on, go on, you're on the right track. We'll see how it goes. So, <laughs> you're starting out fine. So I'm encouraged by that. Uh, we sang about Atlanta United and Kingdom Undivided. We sang about the Lord's Prayer, and we sang about the kingdom being a unifier. And so I want to talk about that today, and, and so let's jump right in. If you would, um, let's pull up Matthew 6, verse 9. This is the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to be in the New American Standard Version. And so at, at the outset... Think about this, Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect, perfect Lamb of God, is questioned, and, and he says, pray like this. Got my attention. Here's how you communicate with me. Here's how we get into heaven's language. 
I want to hear heaven's language, don't you? I'm not hearing it on CNN and Fox very often. Not a lot of heaven's language. Where do you hear heaven's language? If you're a person of the spirit and you hear something, often your spirit will go, that's heaven. Doesn't happen every day. But if you're around godly believers, it can happen every day. If you're in the word of God, it can happen every day. But where do you get heaven's language? I listened to uh, a Chris Ballatin on Sonship, S-O-N ship message podcast the other day, and I heard a little heaven's language. One of Bill's recent messages, I heard it. So you hear it from the fathers of the faith. You hear it from apostles and prophets. They say apostle and prophets is a vertical gift, like they hear from heaven. That's often why they almost don't care about my feelings, you know. They're just hearing from heaven and telling you what they hear. Your teachers, your evangelists, your pastors are more horizontal gifts. They're dealing with the people. They're touching the people. They're rubbing the people. They care about what the people think. But I'm hearing from heaven. When I open the word, I'll hear from heaven. We need to hear from heaven right now. It's, your spirit is hungry for words from heaven. And so this, I'd like us uh, online, if you would, at home, it just makes it more real. If you'll speak out loud with us, join us. And I'd like us to say this verse together. The church of, a, of old used to speak words together in liturgy. There's power in our collective words. With his word, he created the universe. You're the body of Christ. Your words mean something. So our words in unity, as we sang about unity, they're important. So the very prayer that Jesus said, pray like this. We in unity, as sons and daughters of the Most High, pray this prayer together. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we've been singing that this morning. And I like just that prayer, those heaven words to just rest on us. Come Holy Spirit and allow your word to rest on us. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go verse by verse and talk about each one. And we'll see where God takes us. Our father who's in heaven, he starts with our, you know, it's not my father, it's our father. I don't have a reign on father. It's our father. It's your father as much as my father. Every one of us here today, it's our father who is in heaven. When I I was, I grew up unchurched. First 17 years of my life, only one year of my life did I kind of go to church out of that. But people who don't grow up in church, they have very basic questions very basic questions that we take for granted. Like when I came to the Lord, I 
where is Jesus? It's confusing. Like, he's in your heart. He's in heaven. Like, where is he? God the Father is in heaven. Let's get a little theological lesson. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit, he seals every believer. The, The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God on the earth today. But he's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Worthy is your name. Mighty is your name. So I want you to participate with me. We've been doing this for almost an hour, hallowing the name, worshiping the name, blessing the name. If you're a believer, there's something in you that wants to bless his name. It feels good to bless his name. The spirit of God in us wants to bless his name. So I want you to participate again. We're gonna take a minute and you just in your own words with me, sing a song or just state, Lord, we bless your name. Worthy is your name, God. You're high and mighty You're the high and mighty God. Your name is higher than any other. Worthy, worthy, mighty is your name. Holy is the name of the Lord. He is high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. Worthy God, mighty. There's none like you. You're the kindest, you're the best. Worthy is the name of the Lord. We should not get tired of that. Hallowed be your name. Worship you. Worthy is your name, God. Mighty is your name. Your kingdom come. You know, he came with a kingdom. Jesus came, John announced the kingdom is here. Jesus was like, the kingdom is like, every parable, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. And we're praying and Jesus adds this to that prayer. Pray your kingdom come. Together, let's pray. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus, we need you. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. That's a theme of... um, Bill Johnson wrote a book, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. It's a theme of our our movement, really. This Lord's Prayer, that God wants heaven to look like earth. And when you say a kind word, when you perform a great day's work, when you help someone, when you cook a wonderful meal, when you help someone on the side of the road, when you give of yourself, when you give... Heaven is invading earth, little by little, conforming. Earth is being conformed to the ways of heaven. And we see beauty and we see life and it's a touch of heaven. It's incomplete. We're incomplete. But I, when you see it, I, when, I, when someone gets healed, heaven has invaded earth. When someone has a prophetic word for you that touches your heart and you know it's a God word for you, Heavens invaded earth. I think of the kid, the 4th of July on the beach with the little sparklers. And he's just running around with sparklers. Every time, heaven invades earth. It's like the kid with the sparkler. We're taking over the brightness and the glory of the Lord. Heaven is invading earth. But we look around and there's a lot of things that um, are down here that are not gonna be in heaven. I don't think they're going to have elections in heaven. 
Don't think they're gonna have masks in heaven. I don't think they're gonna have voting machines in heaven. I don't think they're gonna have lack in heaven. I don't think there's gonna be racism in heaven. There's no gonna be any pollution in heaven. There's no disconnection in heaven. There's no lies, slanders, betrayal, or abortion in heaven. There's no sex trafficking, adultery. Brothers aren't fighting in heaven. There's no wars in heaven. There's no social media in heaven. <laughs> There's no injustice. There are no riots in heaven. There's no injustice in heaven. And as Christians, the Lord is constantly, as we're growing, rolling heaven into our hearts. And those things that are of heaven are friends and those things that are not are foes. And we live in this mixture life and we live on our journey to our proper identity and we live as ones gazing upon heaven but still caught in this world and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We're still dealing with those things. Amen? We're on our way, but we're dealing with these things as our desire is to see heaven invade, for in heaven there's truth and love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, one of my favorite verses, it said, when you get to heaven, you're gonna fully know and be fully known. Isn't that amazing? In an instant, you will be known and he'll fully know you. How amazing. I, like my heart longs for that moment. That's not a thousand year project in heaven. When you arrive, you'll be fully known by the Father, by others, and you'll fully know. For right now, we prophesy in part, we know in part, we think we're right, but we're not always right. But there we'll fully know and be fully known. For heaven's full of love and truth and life and connection and confidence and health. Heaven has no limitations and no lack. You'll know your true identity in heaven. You'll keep growing in heaven. You'll be healthy in heaven. You'll be beautiful in heaven. You won't feel old in heaven. Your right heel won't hurt in heaven. You'll know all things and be fully known. There won't be a political spirit in heaven. Won't be there. And I wanna, I wanna talk about that thing right now because it's a part of our life, right? I wanna talk about the political spirit. And last couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned to the church, I said, you know, we really don't talk politics much. And so I, as I even say that word, I ask for grace. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's talk as family about something that's touching our country, touching our church, touching our lives. Talk about what is a political spirit. And uh, Chris Vallotton spoke about this, uh, had a, 
post on this recently, and so I, I'm just going to read you a couple of things that he says. The political spirit and the religious spirit have at least 12 things in common. It makes people fear those they can't control. It causes people to assign motives to people they don't know. It leads people to demonize those with whom they disagree. It causes people to create an us and them mentality. It persuades people to spiritualize the demeaning of people of different persuasions. It convinces people that they are justified in applying a different standard of behavior towards those who they deem wrong. It causes people to refuse to acknowledge the positive accomplishments of those they vilify. It convinces people to assign the blame for all the problems of society to one people group. It blinds people to its own prejudices, motivates people to judge themselves by their intentions and others by their actions. And it causes people to redefine dishonoring attitudes as virtuous attributes. People under its influence hunt in packs so they can feed off the self-righteousness of others. And he says, I'm saddened by how much of this I see in myself. And I experienced this this week myself too. And I confess that before you. And we'll talk a little more about it. As a prayer, he says, Lord, help me to give no place in my heart to this spirit. Give me love for people with whom I strongly disagree. Teach me how to hear their concerns and listen from the heart to their cries. Show me how to be a father to all people in a nation. Give me insights on how to be noble and virtuous, holding to righteous convictions while being patient with those who are living by a different standard. Amen? We can all say amen to that, right? And so there's a, there's a religious spirit. And I experienced that this week. I was... Um, my brother-in-law lives, is a neighbor of mine, and um, when he told me he wasn't going to vote, and then he said I just wasn't planning to, but when I went by the polling place, there was nobody there, and uh, I went and voted, and he didn't vote for my guy, and I was ticked. <laughs> and I gave him some of my arguments, my arguments are well-founded. I've spent hundreds of hours rehearsing them. <laughs> I win in court every time with my arguments. I think I'm smarter. I think I'm right. I don't like to lose. But I felt my, uh, I was frustrated with him. And I could feel division with him. And he said, he, he's a preacher. He's a great preacher. He, he said, I, I'll come help, help you on your message. And in my heart, like, I don't really want your help. <laughs> I'm not interested in your opinion right now. I'm being honest. This is my brother. Like, we've known each other 40 years. Our kids have grown up and best friends and neighbors I've invested in him and his ministry and he's invested in me and we've had dark days together and beautiful days together. Count him a close friend, but that political spirit, I could feel it. 
wanting to divide brothers. And, and so, I, and I honestly don't, my confession is I don't really get people who don't vote the way I do. It's just a confession. Like, I, it's, a, it's an area of maybe a blind spot. Like, I don't get it. You must be from Mars and I must be from Venus. <laughs> but we have a galactic God who's over the entire universe. This week, we, uh, we're going through a process in our staff, some of our teammates, and we're, um, we're sharing our life stories together. Jen's sort of walking a few of us through this, and I've asked permission to share just a second of this, but we're, we're sharing, like, what happened from zero to five and six to 12 and taking a half hour to tell our life story. It's, a, it's something we don't do as a culture very much. You know, we get people's life story little bits at a time, but we don't generally get it 30 minutes uninterrupted. And Michael Edwards was sharing his life story this week. And Michael and I, I think, voted differently and think differently about politics. But as he shared his life story, the same anger and frustration I had with my brother-in-law, who I have more connection with, changed as I saw my brother in Christ walk through life, like how the gospel had affected him and how his life was changed and at the times he could have turned from the Lord and the gospel that's in him and I see coming out of him and the life of Christ, the truth of the gospel and that love was melting my heart. I wasn't angry when he started, but I felt more love when he ended and love triumphed over political spirit. And our gospel is more powerful than the political spirit. And even though I may disagree with some or many of you, the gospel is so strong and it is the connection that pulls us together. It is really the only thing that works. Society is looking. It's the only thing that makes us love. When we come together with this Jesus, our common love, our common bond, our common need for grace and forgiveness pulls us together in a bond that's unlike anything else. It's the only thing that really works. We have the answer. And so I, I, I saw that working this week in me, and I could feel it. So let's keep on um, with the Lord's Prayer, amen? Is this helping anybody? I mean, it's usually fun to hear your preacher confess his sin. That's usually not a bad day. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. 
Notice it doesn't say earn your daily bread. I, I, I forgot how it goes. I kind of thought maybe it was something about earning your daily bread. He's our provider, isn't he? Your job isn't your provider. Your boss isn't your provider. Your clients aren't your provider. Tither the church is not your provider. Give us this day our daily bread. Some of you are in transition in your jobs. You don't like your job. God, it's hard to go to work tomorrow. This verse has helped me when I was in transition. When I was 40, I was having a midlife, mid-career crisis. Not midlife, I want to live past 80. Uh, I was having a mid-career crisis. But this verse said, at least today be good at what I'm doing. Don't get caught up in navel gazing. I got caught up in navel gazing for 18 months and my production went down, my income went down. Like, no, like if you're in transition, Lord, give me this day, our daily bread. I need you today. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Tough verse. Anybody been in a season where I know I need to forgive that person, but I keep feeling these bad feelings. Anybody been there? Anybody have to forgive like daily? I've been in like a daily forgiveness on a certain situation lately. Not out of feelings, but out of duty. Lord, I know I need to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving. But there's this law of nature, forgive, and it's tied, look at this. Forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's a link to us forgiving our debtors and us being forgiven, right? This is a law, a spiritual law. We can't get around it. It don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings and the word of God doesn't either. So... <laughs> As I've been in this verse for the last couple days and having a friend pray for me, I just felt something in my heart shift, like, okay, I'm there again. I'm forgiven again. The peace has come back. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I have been ministered to my, almost my entire Christian life by Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. He talks about forgiveness on June 22nd of his devotional. In Matthew 7, 2, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Top 10 scary verses in the Bible. Wish it wasn't there. Don't like it at all. I'm going to read what he says because I can't say it better. This statement is not some haphazard theory, but it is an internal law of God. Whatever judgment you give will be the way you are judged. There's a difference between retaliation and retribution. Jesus said that the basis of life is retribution. 
With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you have been shrewd in finding out the shortcomings of others, remember that will be exactly how you will be measured. The way you pay is the way life will pay you back. This is eternal law works from God's throne down to us. It's a law. Romans 2.1 applies it even in a more definitive way by saying that the one who criticizes another is guilty of the very same thing. Have you noticed that in our political world right now? Like the side that accuses like six months later, it's all about them. We're seeing it before our eyes, the word of God come true. God looks not only at the act itself, but also at the possibility of committing it which he sees by looking at our hearts. To begin with, we do not believe the statements of the Bible. For instance, we do, do we really believe the statement that says we criticize in others the very things we are guilty of ourselves? I'm guilty of this. The reason we see hypocrisy, deceit, and lack of genuineness in others is that they are all in our hearts. The greatest characteristic of a saint is humility as evidence by being able to say honestly and humbly, yes, all those as well as other evils would have been exhibited in me if it were not for the grace of God. Therefore, I have no right to judge. Can we, can we not say that on our worst day or if we look back at your life, there are forks in the road that had you not gone to the right instead of the left, your life would be in a totally different place. Can you not say that if he didn't forgive my sins, I could have been anything possible in the negative without the grace of God? We all have that story, don't we? We really do. and. Um, and so that is what pulls us into worship, like that heartbeat that God alone has saved me, that God alone, that they, except for the grace of God, there go I. That's what pulls us into this majestic worship together as we hallow the name, worship the name, bless the name. We never get tired of that. And when we lose that remembrance, it's so easy to judge others. We have judged others as sinners. If God should judge us in the same way, we would be condemned to hell. Yet God judges us on the basis of the miraculous atonement by the cross of Christ, amen? I was thinking about the last four presidents. We've got Bush and we've got, um, if you think about Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, am I missing somebody? Is that the last four? All have, all have, uh, would claim Christ as savior. If so, they're all my brothers in Christ. A couple of those I haven't been that happy with. God is convicting me. Whether Biden or Trump are the president, I'm gonna bless their name and pray for them. 
Pray for their success. And, and we as a church are going to be that kind of people. We're going to bless them. We're going to pray for them. It doesn't mean your convictions have to be stuffed. It doesn't mean that you're wrong if you disagree. We gather not around agreement. We gather around the presence in Christ Jesus. We gather not because of agreement. It's easier to build a church around agreement. Did you know that? <laughs> the church growth models say it's much easier to build around a monolithic group. We could come out here in 74, take a left, go five miles, build a white Republican conservative church. It'd grow faster and be easier. We come out to 74, turn right, go five miles, build a predominantly black church, 80% Democrat, it'd be easier. But heaven isn't segregated at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Amen. Like, it, it's not segregated. When we get there, it's not, they're not gonna have a church for the rich people and the poor people and the old people and the young people. They're not gonna have a church for the loud music. They're not gonna have a church for the tent people. The people can't get a building together where you have the sun, the sun in your eyes and you have to have an umbrella when the weather's perfect. They're not gonna have that church. We've been reminded around here, Justin, about humility is the way forward. And somebody in Bethel's been talking about humility plus nothing is promotion. So if your guy wins, no dancing in the end zone. If your guy loses, we lose humbly even with class. Jesus was the most humble. Think about it. Of everyone we know, he was the guy that was right. His politics was right. He never sinned. He was absolutely perfect. And he humbled himself and took a knee and allowed himself to be crucified on a cross when he was totally right. My personality would have trouble with that. <laughs> he was totally right. Sin killed him, but God's love overcame sin. And he rose again from the dead. And those who are in Christ, partakers of this heavenly gift, partakers of this heavenly grace, partakers of heaven, have the ability to look to heaven as we sang today and get into heaven's zone and get above earthly thinking. Doesn't mean we don't give to our politicians and canvas and do all the stuff we do. 
But let's make sure our passion for politics isn't bigger than our passion for his presence. You know, I think how we treat each other the next four years is more important than who the president is. We've survived some presidents I didn't like. Will we survive four years of biting each other and hurting each other? We ought to go back and look at the Bible and what it says about conflict. So if you have a conflict with somebody, Matthew 5, I think is where it's at. Go talk to them yourself in person. That's not a tweet. That's not posting under their post. It's go talk to them in person. And if you're gonna post crazy stuff or even good stuff, if you're not willing to talk to that person in person, we ought to quit posting. Like, let, I'm not saying don't post. Post, but let's talk. We lean in together. We lean in. We love even in disagreement. And I, I think for the most part, our church is doing great in this, but we, we get, what if we are the model for how it works? What if this is a place where people, they come and say, what are you doing? How do, with all your differences, are you loving each other in a beautiful way? How with all your strong opinions and strong leaders, how are, you, are you still loving in the midst of disagreement? We don't gather on agreement. They say the uh, Catholic Church didn't split like the Protestant Church because they gathered around fathers. They didn't gather around truth. You gather around truth and you have a little different variety of the truth, then you split your church. So the Catholic Church has split three times in its history and the Protestant Church has split three times since breakfast. So, and I'm a Protestant, so. We got a, we got just a thing in business that I think would do well in the church. And that's if, if, you have a, if I have to communicate something that didn't go well or someone that didn't get approved for what they were asking for, I need to do that either in person or at least on the phone, never by email or text, and certainly not by social media. Like you just, it's just not meant for that. It's not meant for conflict. My text is best for like, I'll be there in five minutes. It's really good for that kind of thing. I'm two minutes late, sorry. It's really good for that. What'd we do before text? We showed up on time. What we do before cell phone, showed up on time, got directions a different way. So let's do good stuff on social media. Let's do our conflicts in person. And let's go into those, agree let's go into those meetings saying, I love you at the beginning. I love you at the end. I'm not going anywhere. 
I'm not, I'm not defriending you. I'm not quitting you. I'm not quitting the church. And let us get stronger and be a light in this time. We can do this. We can do this. That, that love that even grew in the midst of Mike sharing his gospel story is alive in every one of us. It's us. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.